What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live on two different places tonight. Very different from every week. But this week, only Crowdcast. Crowdcast. Oops. And, oops, messed that up. Crowdcast and YouTube. Those are the two places we're coming live. We are also coming to you later as an audio podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's all good. We're just happy to have you. And this is a big show. Big, big show, show here with lots show. of guests going on that I'm very excited about. But a couple of things right here at the top first. First of all, let's talk about this week's drink. What do you guys say? Oh. Yeah, oh, every yeah. week, our resident chef, CBC. Stray uh, Bully. Yeah, Stray Bully. Brett Macris. Uh, he coordinates a drink for us. This week, though, is National Margarita Day. So we had a very Yay. nice discussion at our Patreon, Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club, all about margaritas. I myself made a ancho raised chili margarita. Wow. That's nice. I made it. I accidentally ended up, I didn't, this is probably too much information at the top of the show, but I accidentally ended up getting a mezcal that has uh, the, oh my gosh, sugar Worm? water. Agave? Agave. Oh my God, I totally blanked. This is going to be a good show. Uh, agave already in it. Which was interesting. So, like, it's a little cool. sweeter than your regular margarita, but still pretty good. Nice. Um, I have a margarita as well. This has um, the way I make them lately is I put some aperol in it. It's like a tequila sunrise style margarita. Oh wow! And I'm staying at an Airbnb right now. Didn't have ice or ice cube tray, so I had to take a piece of plastic, form it into a cube, and then freeze it overnight. Whoa! <laughs> I hacked it. It's a life hack. You you created ice. That's amazing. That's That's how badly I wanted this margarita. Excellent. And Pete, what margarita are you drinking for National Margarita Day? Well, uh, I'm celebrating uh, National Derek Jeter Day, and uh, I got myself a little, uh, (laughs) little, little something, little something. (laughs) What is that? It looks like a glass of tar. (laughs) What What about Derek (sighs) Jeter? Does that drink? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's got blue and white colors in there. You know what I mean? That's what purple is, right? (laughs) What is it? Very weird. It's like you (laughs) held up a little car accident and then took it away to the street. Why is this Derek Jeter day? Is he number 22? Two. He's number number two. two. He's the second baseball player? Yep, that's yep. how they do uh, it. That's wild. That's right. Yeah, that's how that's how baseball works. So it's two. There's all twos today. So you're saying it's a big mm-hmm. cheater thing. That's uh, right. Yes, that's what everybody's talking about. Why mm-hmm. don't we talk about something else? In fact, so we have been asking all of you to leave some recommendations for old trade collections, OGNs, comic books, or current ones that we might have missed in the iTunes comments. Leave a rating, leave a comment, and we've been getting some great suggestions there. On this week's Stack podcast, we're going to be doing one of those suggestions. We read Marvel Knight's Marvel Boy yes. from Marvel, appropriately, written by Grant <laughs> Morrison and J.G. Jones, so we'll be talking about that on the Stack, but we got a new one. We got another suggestion. So I'm going to read the comment here. This is from LeSync. This is such a great podcast. Anytime I'm laughing to myself like a crazy person with my headphones in, my wife always asks me if I'm listening to the comic book club boys. We just say CBCBs around the house to save time. CBCBs. 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 And she's always right. 
The dynamics between the three of them is perfect. Pete's secret Punisher quiz was the highlight of my last decade. I wow. mean, mine too, honestly. <laughs> I, had two, I had two kids in that time. He says, and I got married and had a child at that time. There so it there is. You go. <laughs> I would love... I would love to hear you guys review Sunstone Volume 1. This series is one of the absolute best love stories I've ever read. Ooh, Ooh nice. Cool. You love a good love story, Pete. And still I my promise, heart. I promise in advance, having a vague notion of Sunstone, there is absolutely no sexual content in there whatsoever. So you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Two right. favorite things, love and no sex. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will review Sunstone Volume 1, not on this week's stack, but the next week's stack. So if you want to give a suggestion, we'd love to get them. They keep coming in and they're so cool. iTunes comments, leave a rating, leave a comment there, and we will get to them. But speaking of getting to things, why don't we get to our first of three guests tonight? The first one is Zachary Marais. He is the creator of Sonderon, and Sonderon is featured in a new Kickstarter, the Voyage Melting Pot, a 200-page hardcover. Zachary, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Oh my gosh. Uh, excited to have you here. So this Kickstarter is huge. I feel like we, we've certainly had a lot of Kickstarter projects on here. And normally it's like, I'm going to do the first issue of my book. Or, boy, I'd really love to do the second issue. You're doing a 200-page hardcover, right? Wow, man. Yeah, so... Hard so... To go home. Just like that Spider-Man tat on your arm. Oh, yeah, sorry, man. I'm in the middle of doing laundry. I'm sorry. Hey, no, no need I, to apologize. I love seeing it. Yeah, this is the place so cool. to put That's commitment. Yeah, right look, at look at that. that. Oh, wow. Daredevil nice. on the bottom. Nice. Wow. Nice. Only New York crime fighters. Gotcha. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, tell us about this project. Tell us about the genesis of it and why you did decide to go big or no way home. Okay, so pretty much, um, so Voyage, this is actually the sequel to the first book I made, Voyage Anthology Volume 1, which I did that when I was in the second year at the Joe Keeper School. And uh, I always knew exactly what I wanted to do for Sandron and his character, but it was going to be the first book I ever made to put it all together. So I was like, I don't have enough time because I got a lot of homework. So I decided to bring all my friends in with their characters and stories inside to make an anthology by keeping Sonderon relevant as much as possible through every story. Only this time for Voyage Melting Pots, I wanted to make this book bigger and better. It's like night and day between the first volume to this volume. First one was 88 pages soft cover. This one's hardcover with 200 pages with a dust jacket cover. Um, you know, in this one, he plays the host, like the Crypt Keeper, but he does have stories that he is in. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot that we packed in. I brought in everybody who was part of the first book. They came back uh, in, plus some newbies. Um, and every story is so diverse and so different from one another that no story is even remotely close than, like, <laughs> than the one next to it. For example... Um, we got one story, which the page you're looking at right now, Scorn, a pot-smoking demon, you know, trapped in hell. He's sent out to go ahead and collect souls, but he screwed up because he was too high. So his demon lord sends him to go after a villain he failed to kill back in the day called Mothman. So he's got to go travel to Motheria. Another story is Slothman, 
uh, a product by the Nazis who lives on a peppermint patty planet, ruler of like peppermint patty people. And there's this villain uh, called the Swinolator, who like a pig with wings, flies in and tries to like screw everything up. So there's like a conflict there. Wow. Um, then you have, you know, your typical like you got that. They have like your um, you know, slice of life where you have this useless knight. Bartholomew in the medieval ages, you know, he's hungry. So him and his friend are trying to get a bite to eat while they're walking in the forest and they're trying to catch a fish, but there's this fish monster. So something so simple as a task became such a hassle to go ahead and complete. So we have like a large variety of stories that complement each other. Awesome. And so what's the coordination on a project like this then? Because you have so many people working on it, so many stories, so many pages this has to be insane to put together. I try to keep a cool head. Um, <laughs> I just pretty much have to be that annoying editor that has to like keep it uh, poking at people. Be like, all right, I need this stuff in. I need it like yesterday. And I have to like keep the track. Like I have, I literally have like a whole notebook of like stuff of like everybody that I have to keep a track. Uh, I have the majority, like all the artwork is done. Um, right. It's really editing phase uh that i'm in so like you know lettering uh in between page designs but i have everything so like these 200 pages oh. that i gotta come up with isn't really coming up with it i already have like 90 to 95 percent of the stuff so right that's all, i mean just just looking at the art that we're scrolling through here for those that aren't um actually seeing it like there's such a variety here are, are these people you met at at the cubert school or is it all uh just people you met along the way these were all uh classmates of mine um that's oh, awesome the guys were in the same graduating year as me which was like uh, during COVID year when COVID first hit um, and then, you know, we brought in a couple new guys, but the majority of this book is, you know, me and all my classmates. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Now, the part that we've hit here, not to keep talking through it for the audio podcast listeners, but we've hit the part with the different levels and the bonuses. So is there any level of the Kickstarter in particular that you're particularly excited about that you think people should check out if they check out the project? Honestly, I... I'd have to say the 11 by 17, uh, Sandoran's 11 by 17 migraine. Mm -hmm. It's basically a tier that has all three, um, the melting pot book plus the two previous books I'd done before that in all PDF form. You get um, a desktop screensaver. You get a t-shirt with uh, the Dorsar Comics logo on the side of the sleeves. Plus everybody's name is like a rock concert tour with their story title on the back of the shirt. Um, Awesome. the um <clears throat> a commission done by me and i honestly like i really need to like do more drawings this year <laughs> for people so if people are excited for original artwork i will do 11 by 17 and whatever anybody wants oh no nice. that's awesome. cool really cool uh and you have is it eight days left on this or at least at this taping you have eight days left on the kickstarter right? i have eight days left yeah awesome well listen this is very cool this is a huge project yeah this is awesome so definitely i love the panels that i got to see yeah uh good luck with it we're very excited about it now go please finish up your laundry that's important too (laughs) you got to wear clean clothes while you're getting the kickstarter together this podcast is more important than my laundry that's why i mean that's a little bit of a toss-up but we're a (laughs) we're a laundry (laughs) podcast oh p was like i have to do my laundry 
<laughs> uh, awesome. Zachary, thank you so much for coming on. Have a lovely night. I appreciate it for having me on, guys. Honestly, like you guys are amazing. Thank you. Oh, dude, right back at you, man. I love right your nerd you, ball. Yes. Check out, yes. Uh, yeah. Check out uh, Zachary's Kickstarter, everybody. All it's right. awesome. Thanks, Zachary. All right. All right. Uh, once again, it is called Voyage Melting Pot, a 200-page hardcover. It is on Kickstarter now. Huge project. Just a week left to support yeah. it, so go check it out. And now we're going out, to bring months. in our second guest. She is the writer of a new book that's coming out that's, well, it's it's a spinoff of another book called Radiant Red. Cherish Chan, everybody. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, no problem. First of all, love the professional quality mic and headphones. And everything. Oh, thank you. I know. I I'm also you like... I like I'm it. I don't such know. such a loser, Alex. No, I love it. Thank you. I'm also in like the aesthetically least interesting room in the house, but it's the acoustically best. So that's no, why nice. we're... That's a very nice, like... Uh, Easter blue wall or eggshell? Uh, yeah, blue? it's yeah. I was like, your the podcast listeners will just get the benefits, but I was like, just ignore <laughs> this. That's right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm what looks like I'm in a, some sort of a flop house. So and, uh, no, perfect. The narrative you can spin whatever narrative you want where right. for your I'm location. So place. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a dark uh, so Cherish, you are doing. Uh, let me make sure I have all the continuity laid out. So you worked on an issue of radiant black mm -hmm. that focused on the radiant red character. Then there's this super massive one shot that's coming out tomorrow from image comics. That's kind of kicking off the greater radiant black radiant universe. And then March 9th, you're going to kick off this five issue miniseries called radiant red. Is that sort of the lay of the land here? That is right. Yes. You've, you, you nailed it. Um, so yeah, I, I started, uh, my kind of entryway was uh, radiant black six. Um, so the way Kyle, Kyle Higgins has structured it is like yeah. every arc of the radiant black book is like five issues and then, a an origin story of one of the other radiants. So I was the first up on number six where we did the, the basically the back, the, you know, the history of radiant red mm -hmm. and how she got into the world and then um, she showed up in a couple of issues of Radiant Black after, but um, Radiant Red is really the continuation of what we had kind of established um, stemming from six. Since Radiant Black mostly focuses on, you know, uh, Nathan and Marshall and those characters. I feel like there have been so many, like, attempts uh, to create, like, a comic book universe. And Radiant Black and the Radiant Universe feels, like, so successful and is operating at such a higher level. Uh, and now that you're sort of deep in it and sort of getting it out there, what do you attribute that to? And what what are you bringing to it that, that furthers that along? Uh, it's super, uh, I would have to say, honestly, it's really Kyle's vision for it. And I think just the um, the team of people that have, he's brought on. And then, you know, Marcelo is like his collaborator, kind of like, kind of like leading the vision of like the how it looks and everything. But um, just it's so many people coming in, but everyone's very... Um, in sync kind of with what the the overall thing is and then i will say once we're in once you're in it's like playing you know like i think we all have a lot of ideas about what we could do and it's it's very very uh you know i say this in the back in my letter at the end of issue one but it's like very liberating it's not very constraining which i think you know when you're writing on 
another creator owned book or you know you're writing in a property that has a lot of takes on it already it can feel very constraining but that's that's not what's happening here um a lot of it's like oh this idea came to one of us like what do you think and then it's like oh then this character could show up and so it's just it's like all of us like just playing around with these great characters that have been established and us just kind of cutting loose a little bit. Well, so just taking it back for a second, then how did you end up getting hooked up with this project? How did you end up getting the job working with Kyle on issue six? Yeah. So I'm in a very uh, interesting and unique position, I think in the, in the comics world, which is like, I'm very new. I don't make any bones about how, how new <laughs> I am to it, which is very exciting. You know, I'm yeah. very cool. Um, so I, started as a producer kind of in the in the film industry um grew up with reading comics but i took a big break and then right. kind of got back into it um like in my college years like after college with like i remember reading rook as batwoman and uh yeah. you know um saga obviously was a yeah. big one but <laughs> i was I like, like so we basic change, but... we should change the title we should change the title to saga obviously just across the <laughs> that is what i was like what are you reading? I know, Saga, I know. Obviously. <laughs> Saga, obviously. Um, so, uh, but I, I left producing to kind of go back to writing, which was my original passion. And um, I was writing a few other things, but uh, a big passion project of mine was actually this, this, this comic project I was working on with my friend, Kevin Sinzaki. It was kind of like what we were both doing on our, on when we were working our survival jobs, you know? Um, so we wrote, like six issues of this comic that we had no idea what we were doing. We we're like, Oh, this will be a 60 issue ongoing, you know, from two unknowns at image. It'll be like, it'll just happen. <laughs> um, and we just didn't know what we were, you know, the industry that well, but um, we worked really hard on it. We were like, let's just make it as good as we can be uh, as we can. And uh, then at one point I was like, okay, we've written it. We need to find like, we need to talk to industry people to like, ask them questions about how the industry works you know mm -hmm. um kind of a long story short that led us to kyle funnily enough and then kyle was like well let me read it kyle really really liked it um really really liked our first issue and so he was like you know i want to meet you and talk to you about it and i was like oh we just uh, have questions you know um <laughs> about the industry like how does this work and he was like oh no i want to talk to you about this issue um about this series and then that eventually led to him a few months later he asked me to write co-write um radiant black six with him oh, that's so awesome. yeah so six was my like kind of comics writing debut and then red is like my solo okay. kind of thing and that's so awesome. great and you've it's been hooked wild. up with this other newcomer, David LaFuente. <laughs> I know. What a newbie, right? I'm just like showing him the ropes. It's so like, uh, no. Truly um, so exciting. The art, uh, a quick uh, insight here. We've we've seen the first two issues. The art's amazing. Uh, the yeah. story's great. Like, what a, uh, talk to us about working with David. Uh, David, David LaFuente is a dream. I mean, he's a dream come true. I mean, like, I don't know how a lot of like new, uh, new writers who get to work with a you know, an artist of his caliber so early on in their careers. So it's, it's really astounding. Um, I remember when we were doing six, Rainy Black Six, and I was, you know, turning the script in, and then he'd send us his pages back. And I was like, you don't even need words. Like we don't even need the, we don't even need the Delete dialogue. Those words I wrote. <laughs> I know. I was no that that actually happens because like he's. He, I say I've said this in every single interview, so I'm sure this will get repetitive. But David was is a very uh, he's an incredible actor, 
um, with his drawings. So like there were times where it was really, you know, we would end up getting a panel back and we're like, I don't think this needs all the dialogue we had written. So it's like, you know, you're just like cutting things out to make it simpler because he's just, you know, he's just astounding. He's a wonderful wonderful artist and so great at emotions and like emotive storytelling um mm-hmm. and i think this happens with a lot of creators but you are you know and writers is that you just find you don't need to put as much in the script when you have when you're working with an artist of david's caliber you're just like you know you you got it <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about the concept a little bit particularly for those who don't know just the radiant black universe at all we've talked about i think every issue at this point in our stack podcast we had Kyle on a couple of months ago at this point to talk about the yeah. overall franchise, but essentially Radiant Black, he touches a tiny little black hole and gets this suit and these powers, meets a couple of other people that have had similar experiences, including Radiant Red. But what defines Radiant Red? What are, and I'm skirting spoilers here, but she is somewhat discovering her powers over the course of these issues and what she can do. But uh, at the raw basics, what makes Radiant Red unique? I think what's so kind of a, a touch, like a North Star for a lot of Radiant Black is that these are very uh, relatable characters in in our time, right? Like very contemporary. Mm-hmm. The, the problems they're dealing with are extremely relevant to... 20 30 somethings you know today and i think what makes red unique is that you know in the first issue she's robbing banks mm-hmm. uh and so i was like how that was a really interesting challenge as a writer to be like how do you make this really understood and and felt and empathized with but not necessarily condoned um so i think a lot of what we're doing with this series is really pulling apart a lot of you know we we got a lot done in that radiant black six but i felt like there was so much more behind the decision to take these superpowers you've gotten and do something that you probably never would have done before that isn't you know isn't good for you deep down but you feel like you're pressed to do it um i'm talking in circles now a little bit but um (laughs) uh yeah so that's kind of like it's it's a little bit of an identity crisis um you know, I think like a lot of 30 somethings have like their like midlife crisis now, like career changes and like, you know, yeah. all this stuff. So it's like kind of, a, a, you know, our superhero take on that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Cool. One of the things that I love about this series, again, kind of skirting spoilers, but talking about the fact that we do discover her robbing bags and find out more about why she's robbing bags in issue number six is almost none of these characters in the Rainy Black universe should be superheroes, like you're saying, the regular people, but the main character right now is a jerk in Radiant Black. He's a mean guy. <laughs> Radiant Red is robbing banks for kind of the right reasons, kind of the wrong re- reasons. So what is it like straddling this line? Because I feel like there's always a temptation, even when they're an anti-hero, to be like, no, but they're really good. So h- how do you walk that when you're writing this character? That honestly is the most fun part to me. I I actually find it kind of humbling, you know, like to not be writing an explicitly good or explicitly bad character. I think that makes um, like Satomi is a lot more relatable to me in that way because it's, you know, you may a lot of us make bad decisions for good reasons in our head or uh, vice versa. Right. Um, Good decisions for bad reasons. Yeah, that was the opposite. I was like, what did I just say? Um, But yeah, 
<laughs> there you go um so yeah i think that was it's very um it's very real in that way i know that sounds kind of like i don't know if that's cheesy considering like you know the straddling of good and bad isn't anything new you know that's kind of something we've been doing in comics for forever but um yeah that's kind of that's kind of like uh it's very that I don't know what but I, I think that's that's true. I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why the Radiant Universe really breaks through is the characters do feel real and they have conversations. I forget which issue it was um, where there was sort of a deep dive onto like Twitch and like yeah. uh, and I was like, this is so in universe that other comics just wouldn't touch this uh, this level of reality. And I think that really works for the advantage of the book because it, it's memorable and it makes me really lean into the characters. Yeah, I think Kyle is especially, that's something he dictated is like this kind of almost meta, um, you know, acknowledgement. Also how we like integrate, you know, the social media stuff a lot of times yeah. is like very meta and stuff, you know. So we get to play around with that quite a bit. You know, I think it isn't shying away from the fact that like we are so online now and, you know, how how we consume things is really, really online. And, and so yeah, it's very cool. And like so pop culture driven as well. So that obviously makes it way into the book with like a character like Marshall, who's just referencing things left and right. Now with, and I'm not going to mention specifically what's it's teeing up because it comes out tomorrow when we're taping this, but the supermassive one shot teases this bigger universe, this bigger conflict that potentially is coming. I think people could intuit that and radiant red, like we talked about is the first thing there. So what is the overall coordination like with the team? Are you sitting down and having writers or streets? Do you have a private uh, slack that you're all coordinating on? How's that working? Uh, so we, the radiant red team, we have our own little thread, um, nice. you know, David just started calling us Team Red, and I was like, "Well, that's sticking, I guess." But um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of where we all talk about things. Um, I a lot of I think this is I'm going to be talking about him so much, but Kyle really does a great job of like kind of integra like integrating all the different threads going on, so that you know he'll send the Radiant Red team like super massive and see what we think, or like pages that you know we're getting from you know, Daniele, who's working on the, the shift thing for this image, image anthology thing. Um, so um, it's kind of a lot of like, if it's very, I think we're all very kind of in our own production pipelines, but our kind of sharing of the, like the wealth of the overall universe is really free, freeing. And um, Kyle is a lot of that, like he really integrates a lot of us. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for Supermassive because you. it sounds like you all have read it. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it yeah. sounds yeah. like that. Yes. Yes, uh. it sounds like that. Um, it's super fun. I, I mean, yeah. I, it, yeah, it's just I'm very excited for people to read it. I had a blast reading it. Um, uh, I, Iger's colors in it are just, you know, eyeball melting. So um, yeah, it's super fun. I think they did an incredible job. Um, and I think with more coming out like Rogue Sun and like Matt's um, Infernal Girl Red when that comes out later this year, like it'll it'll all feel a little bit more complete. You know, I know it's mm -hmm. just starting yeah. now, but yeah, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for people to check out Radiant Red. Like I said, we read the first two issues and it's so much fun. And like you've been talking about, just there's so much going on with the character. There's just a really good setup of her life, her world. She's... I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but like one of the things that I really liked about it is I feel like these characters are always one thing. 
You know, I mean, granted, Peter Parker, for example, has a lot of stuff going on, but he's like, he's a photographer and then also he's Spider-Man. She's a real person who has multiple jobs, multiple commitments to her family. There's a lot of different things that are happening in her world. And then also she has this black hole powered suit that she needs to deal with, among other things. And I just liked how you balanced it. I thought it was really nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm really, oh, gosh, I'm so excited when I can talk about the whole series with everybody because I was like, <laughs> just being like, oh, this thing we're might be alluding to, you know. Um, But yeah, no, thank you. That means so much. She's, she's really, um, you know, I think the a big part of the pitch of this series was like this duality. And then, but really, it's, you know, it's still one person. I think we like to think of like ourselves as maybe being able to balance multiple threads in our life and you know a lot of the times that's just Barely. not the case you're right yeah so it's just it all blurs together and you're still the same person so awesome yeah uh, uh, so badass. once again just remind folks radiant red comes out starting march 9th it's a five issue miniseries do you have anything else that you want to plug anywhere else people should be looking for you or checking you out uh you can follow me on twitter at cherish 10 um i'm a weirdo on twitter i just like <laughs> just don't i was like you don't have to follow me but i was like so that's where i am though if you have if i like talking about comics on there like uh, you know recommendations and stuff things i'm reading that i've been really liking um but uh, a lot of times i just like repost like weird animals and stuff so you can just that's just it. the kind of twitter i'm looking for because i feel <laughs> yeah. like so many i want stability so many people are falling into <laughs> nfts or like some dark alt-right situation so yeah i'm, I'm just like let's be stability. pure <laughs> yeah yeah and uh on a very similar note getting a lot of great shout outs about the mic quality going on yeah and mic. like uh, alex you've opened up a whole mic situation <laughs> yeah. in the, in our world here which i don't think we're ready for i, I you so know either. I will say you guys sound great most of the time. I can't. I, I don't say. know. I think how... we sound fine. Get out yeah, of here. I listen to the pod. I listen to oh, the thank podcast. You. Yeah, I was like, it's, this is incredibly okay. <laughs> this, you all are very wholesome, and I love that you've been doing this for so long. So, <laughs> so much. It's we so. Really it's very sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, we get wholesome a lot. We're very wholesome as it is. <laughs> you all have a drink together anyway. I'm just saying, it's very nice. <laughs> It is. All right. Cherish, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure chatting and very excited for everybody. Yeah, we're huge lead. fans of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so great. It's going to be great. Thank you. That means so All much. Right. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great night. Pleasure. Thank you, Cherish. All right. Once again, that is Cherish Chen. The book is called Radiant Red. As I mentioned several times, you can check out the super massive one shot that is coming out from Image tomorrow for a little bit of a tee-up, and then Radiant Red is out on March 9th. It's a five-issue miniseries. And Worth now, checking uh, out for sure. I'll mention before we move on, our third guest, Tim Seeley, has not made his way in here, as far as I can tell, if I'm okay. missing him for whatever reason. Tim, hit us up with the comments. Otherwise, for those who were tuning in for Tim for whatever reason uh, here on the live show, we will try to get him on in the future, hopefully. Uh, nothing came up. But in the meantime, we are going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all made it up. It is your audience question. <laughs> and for audience questions, we turn to you. You know how this goes. You either drop a question in the comments over on YouTube or an ask a question over on Crowdcast. And to give you time to drop some questions in there, we're going to talk about... What everybody's drinking now? I heard a little pop top going on. Little pop top. JT. Say, uh, this is a, a beer called um, Freshly Squeezed or Fresh Ooh. Squeezed um, mm. by uh, Deschutes. 
and they don't for, for whatever reason this doesn't arrive in new york state doesn't come mm. to where i live so when i pulled up to pennsylvania stopped in this hey welcome to pa bro you can have Bradley a fresh beer shoots loving it now oh, it's good so you would say deschutes to scores oh wow that's really good i think that's actually on the cardboard uh sparkle um uh, above the cases when you buy it but yes oh, that's great deschutes discourse and not to get back to it, but Pete, I'm really curious. What are you actually drinking? What is this Derek Jeter cocktail? Well, uh, it's a special occasion. I I was excited. You already to, mentioned that. I want to know the contents of the cocktail. Uh, you know, I was hoping to talk to Tim Seeley, so I wanted to look professional and uh, uh, drink something that was professional. Look professional by drinking liquid charcoal or whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, I got uh, some purple source racks out for a special occasion. You know what I mean? I don't like to, You know, I only got a... A certain number of those left, so you know. What is that? To... What does that mean? What do you mean you have a certain amount left? Uh, well, they stopped uh, making the Purple Source Rex is a special Kool Aid flavor that only comes around every once in a while. Uh, so you know, when you get it, you gotta you gotta act fast. Nice. So, what's the ingredients in your cocktail? <laughs> vodka and Purple Source Rex. No. Nice. No water necessary. Put the dust right <laughs> in with the vodka. Right? Great. We got a couple of questions here. Let's start with one from Kevin. What comic book characters would you like to hear hosting a podcast? And what kind of non-narrative podcast would they host? Non-narrative. Important distinction. Because this yeah, podcast so it's not is like... technically a narrative at this point. <laughs> right. It's not like the Punisher's bedtime stories or something like that. Ooh. Be Punisher's like, I've got a couple of pitches for Audible. I would be cool if it was just the Punisher just like cleaning his guns, you know? You can, it's I'm working, like Mad Men. <laughs> I'm working with the producers of Jumper, you know, the hated Christensen movie where he jumps through portals. You guys know what I'm talking about. Hi, Levy. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mr. Castle. Just to interrupt real quick. What, yeah, what's is up? Jumper the last movie you saw? I worked on Audible. <laughs> yes, I haven't been to the theater that, in a while. That's sort of a very old reference. Just And not a yeah, movie. Yeah. I went good. to see it with Deadpool, but he went to another movie in the same theater. Oh, yeah. That'll happen. Yeah, but that was going to be my answer. Well, it's Deadpool. Save that for the show. Save that for the show. <laughs> I mean, you know, Deadpool's got a, a great sense of humor. who would be fun to hear on the mic for sure. Well, what kind of podcast though? Because would it be like a pop culture podcast? Chibichangas in his area, like it could be a traveling podcast where he's trying different foods. You know, yeah, that's a good uh, pitch actually. Chibichangas in your area, hosted by Deadpool, and he travels the country reviewing specifically chibichangas. That is one hundred percent a podcast idea. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can have a local, uh, some local flavor on local human. That's right. Yeah, Hmm. Justin, you got one. You got Uh, a pitch. For a podcast, um, what about? Oh, this is this is funny. What about? What if we? What if we did like a? If Doom Patrol hosted a Doom Patrol podcast, I don't know, know who that is. Stop doing that, that to people, man. That's not nice. It's not nice. Four straight bullies. All he does. I is think it's give. a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Give, and you just are kicking them. It's down. possible uh, they have, but they've just been whispering it into their pillows, like we have. That's so. true. Into their pillows. <laughs> just like the our Doom Patrol podcast that we whisper into. Come on, man. That's not nice. <laughs> Um, ooh, this is a good suggestion from Jay Citizen. I'd be all about the Thing and Johnny Storm podcast. That feels like a classic duo there. Oh, they would smash the mics every episode. 
Yes, absolutely. And we got a related question from Luana Nana. Which oh, superhero would be the Joe Rogan? Oh, wow. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Maybe Deadpool again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, U.S. agent? Uh, mind first? Yeah, that's pretty good. I could say that. I mean, it depends Booster on how you're gold. defining... Booster yeah. Golds, he'd come on and be like, oh, wow, I'm not familiar with that. I guess I should Google that. Google it's hard Google to tell because when you reference Joe Rogan, it depends on what your personal take is. So Luana Nana yeah. sounds like a fan. So I guess right. uh, Big fan. So it'd be someone who uh, you really look up to and really does a good job at podcasting. Yeah. I guess I'm curious whether Luana Nana is a bigger fan of Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, but that's from a different, that's for a different conversation. <laughs> Why don't we move to this question from Stray Bullet. What's your favorite superhero team up non JLA or Avengers big team? I actually want to swerve from that because mm. just for I'm, I'm sure people are aware, but if they're not just a little bit of news that came out over the past week, this is the last time we taped the show. As a lot of folks probably know, George Perez is pretty sick and not going to live very long. He's been very open about it. DC, as far as I can tell, has been absolutely incredible. And setting Dan Dio up... was at his bedside. He's in hospice care currently. Oh, Dan Dio went to visit oh that's so sad. Um, what they did, though, is JLA Avengers, which has been out of print for a very long time. They made a limited print run of it of, I believe, 7,000. They showed it to him. There's an absolutely wonderful picture of him just, like, seeing the oh. cover. But the whole issue was the rights of, like, Marvel and DC not being agreeing out of print it and for them to come over, come together over this. And I believe as a charity production as well is pretty wonderful. So if you're curious and you've never been able to check out that book, which, by the way, is awesome definitely go pick that up it's for a good cause but that all said that's not the actual question that he asked uh what is your favorite superhero team up that is not jla avengers Mm, superhero team up Uh, i mean there's been some fun fast fantastic fours you know like when it was like ghost rider and shit that was fun i mean i'll give my uh, answer that i only give i love dan slot's human torch spider-man series from back in the day super fun four issues set in different decades just great stuff um i was recently reading uh batman houdini <laughs> which was oh, really yeah um it's a book that just randomly sort of like it must have fallen out of a box and i was like oh yeah and it's beautifully uh the art's great uh really like that um they have a lot of interests uh, alike, like escape I'll throw out another one that totally confused me as a kid. So we've talked about this before, but I used to read like Pete, the black and white teenage mutant ninja turtle comics. And there's an issue, or maybe it was two issues, where they crossed over with Cerebus, yeah, Hardvark. And I remember reading that, I was like, "What is what is going on here?" And I don't know why I could not get on board. Like I was on board with teenage mutant ninja turtles, but then an Aardvark who was a barbarian, came in and I was like, I don't get this at all. Slight but tonal differences there. Total yeah. difference, and just also the art was different. Like, they they didn't draw Cerebus in the style of TMNT. It was in Cerebus style. But I remember that also very specifically because that was one of the things where I read, and it worked the way a crossover should work because I was like, I got to find out more about this guy. This is so strange. And then I searched out Cerebus books and found out about them, too. Uh, yeah, that's funny. It's the uh, same thing with Usagi Ojimbo when he appeared on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was then 
immediately became hugely assessed, obsessed with that. Uh, but I want to give Stray Bullies a shout out. Uh, he says Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Sanford Green just recently did an amazing run on uh, those two. Uh, it's, well, it's a good example of a good team up. Cool. All right. uh, Batman Bullies. Hellboy Starman, another one um, okay. uh, I appreciated back in the day. Wow. Fun triple crossover. This no triple cross. We got a question from YouTube. This is from John Dorsey. Why does oh, Pete Disl- mm, This is a this is a real poking the hive here. Uh-oh. Why does Pete dislike the Hickman X verse so much? Anything in particular not related to Cyclops? Huh. There well, it is. Yeah, I mean, sure. If you want to take Psych out of it, um, Psych. I just feel like taking the X-Men kind of out of the uh, kind of where everybody is fighting and trying to solve crimes and mysteries and stuff like that and putting them in their own little thing. uh, Cool for a little while, you know, like have some fun with those characters. But if you're not on board with that kind of like break off, um, it's a little frustrating to kind of see what happens to your favorite characters or see different sides of them or whatever that is kind of like great, but Hey, can't we do this? And then also kind of interact, but because it was such a huge move and I'm super happy. A lot of people are having fun, you know, like uh, you know, it's, it's nice to take big swings and and push characters in different areas and stuff like that. But I don't want to see a secret council and voting and who's off the Island and who can't be on the Island and the, whatever. You would hate survivor. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, not a fun experiment for me, but you know, like, Hey, you know, uh, other people have great ideas and other people like to see islands fucking each other so like hey do, do you i'm gonna wait this out and then hopefully you know i get my x-men back but if not you know hey at least you haven't been looking fun. at my search history of two islands fucking have you <laughs> because that's some good stuff but let me just you said something i want to get get back to so you want the X, x-men to get back to solving mysteries and fighting crimes which is well, basically I, I, what they're known for yeah yeah right? the, the they love solving of, mysteries there's the they really solve horrible. a lot of mysteries yeah. they psych, of psych. Yeah, we've yeah, got another mystery here <laughs> yeah that's wolverine by the way saying that yeah, well, obviously <laughs> that hurt yeah that hurt He's the Scooby-Doo. He's the no, I, I, thank you, by the way. First of all, Pete, I do actually want to thank you for saying that in the most reasonable manner I've heard you say it in years at this point. Yeah. And I do think uh, it's not just you. There are a lot of people that were pretty upset because it's a huge total shift for the X-Men. It is not... Here, here's where I think the divide is, and this is the logical leap that a lot of people have had issues with, is that they are taking the philosophy of what X-Men villains have said for decades now, basically the entire time we've been reading the X-Men, but I think for the ones, those of us who like it, which I include myself in, they're trying to figure out a better way of doing it. They're saying, okay, yes, mutants are probably actually superior. We're not going to thrust our superiority on humans. Instead, we're going to figure out a way to make our society and our circumstances and everybody else's society better and make it work. And ultimately what they found out is it's much more difficult than that. There's a lot of problems internally and externally, and that's what they've been dealing with. But those who have a problem with it 
are on the other side where they're where they're where they're like, no, not only did you accept the villains' philosophy, but you brought the villains over to your side. So ultimately, you are villains yourself. What were you going to say, Justin? Well, and let me take it even a step further. Uh, Jay Sinison says um, in the comments, "It's been so long since we had the misfit heroes fighting for a world that world that hates and fears them." And I would love a return to that. Um, I think that what Hickman's doing is sort of giving us that in a very, the long arc version of that. Like they are going to be fighting for the, for the world that hates and fears them over all of time. Essentially. That's what was laid out in the original two miniseries is that um, society is going to be killed by, um, by the, all the, the AI technology, the, the machines that will take over. And so it's up to the, the mutants to, Take, to make that stand and to do that they need to make themselves better and i think that's what they're working on yeah this is a question from jay citizen is there any superhero where a director says i have a gritty and realistic take and it actually could be interesting like a, 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 a so this is a hero that's not gritty slash realistic and it's like oh i, would I don't know if that. this is a thought experiment um, yeah, I guess it is a thought experiment. Is there any superhero or a director says, I have a gritty and realistic take and it could actually be interesting? Is there anybody that works for the gritty and realistic take? Yes, dupe. Just a gritty uh, take on dupe. Of and... voyeuristic. Yeah, just kind of really get what into it. What did you say? Duke? Dupe. 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 Don't you think? Don't you think that's what Slimer and Ghostbusters is sort of the gritty dupe? Yeah, um, exactly. You know what I mean? That like, was if you look at the, the original script from back in the eighties, they're like the name of the character was Gritty Dupe. Gritty Dupe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if there is any character it's gonna work with, it's Batman, right? Like I know that's <laughs> Shut up. Get out no, I'm serious. Like that's like, a stupid trying... idea. That'll never work. <laughs> That'll never happen. No one yeah. ever have the yeah, balls. Get your fucking t-shirt out of here, boo. And but no, that I legitimately say that because my favorite Batman movies are the ones that are less realistic. Like when Batman is presented with these realistic choices, it's just not as much fun as. And I know nobody agrees with me, but like Dark Knight Rises is my favorite of the Nolan movies. Ugh, barf. <laughs> What? Because it's ludicrous. That's insane. <laughs> That's your favorite? It's my. It's the one that I've watched more than any of the other Nolan movies. Batman Begins. I don't even know if I watched I a second time. I think you time. like yourself. I think you're Dark Knight. I've watched a couple of times. Luana <laughs> and I was asking me, "Are you a fucking cop?" And the answer is yes. yes I am yeah, a cop, yeah, yeah. and I love Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. yeah. But a no, that's a a I've said this before on the show. It feels like a '90s Batman comic book crossover is the least gritty one. Where they're like, "I have a big bomb in the middle of the city, and he has to stop the bomb." And Bane is ludicrous; he's thrown in a hole for a while, and it's just very fun to watch. I just have a good time watching it. I get very swept man. up when all of Gotham in No Man's Land stands up against Bane. Very fun. But that's what I'm saying is for me that is the opposite of gritty, which like. Dark Knight is like, I have these choices the Joker is putting before me. What do I do in a realistic circumstance? And to me, I'm like, yeah, this is good, but it's not fun. Does that yeah, answer no. the question? I don't no. think so. 
No, it did. It, no, it, it did in a very, very strange way. You were <laughs> like, what do I want to be gritty? Answer. Batman. And by that, I mean I want the least gritty version, which is the worst version, The Dark Knight Rises. So you really just... It's like, so no, it's the like, least sir, gritty version of Batman is Batman and Robin. That's like the least if, gritty version. Yeah, well, of course. I'm talking about in the modern world, in modern age. If It's like if someone walked up to you and said, at a restaurant and said, sir, would you like a martini? And you dropped your pants and said, my butt would like a martini. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what you just Does that did. work? It depends no. on how you And by it. work, no. I mean, I'm not going to specify what I mean by does that work. Does that work? <laughs> Stay out of restaurants, Alex. Oh, Stay man. out of restaurants. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's a character who would work for a realistic, gritty take? Yes, the question. Um, we answered that. No, what, what did you say, Pete? Dupe. You said dupe, and oh, I said dupe. Batman. They were both yeah. stupid answers. Who they cares? Were, we spent 45 both. minutes on it. it does, those were point, both nobody, answers. Let nobody me throw wants us to keep going on this. Let me throw out an answer that I... I a good answer, I think. Well, I think... The way to fix Green Lantern is, is this oh, way. Oh, don't. Let's go back and bring out a Green Lantern that is a little bit more, like, not goofy. They did the goofy version. No, but we're talking gritty. So this is a guy who, like, is insane, has a lantern that is colored green. It's like, I can create thought constructs, and he gets thrown in a mental asylum. It's perfect. Yeah, are you talking about the the character gritty the philadelphia mascot mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah. oh, oh okay all right what's a movie that's like very gritty like a very hairy orange movie <laughs> yeah exactly With googly yeah, eyes and a, and a... i'll tell you what sense. i mean just to give another terrible answer i don't want gritty realistic movies this immediately made me think of logan which i had legitimate panic don't, attacks about for months that was a what? fucking a great month? movie. That was a great I fucking did. movie. Don't Watching you really that movie, did. Don't you say- I had a crisis. Of, no, I'm not saying anything bad. I had a crisis of my own mortality watching that movie where I was like, Jesus Christ, I cannot watch Professor X die. And I started hyperventilating in the movie watching it, and it affected me for months afterwards. So the less realistic, the better, I'd say. Well, you must have liked hearing him in the um, Doctor Strange trailer. Uh, because he was alive. Yes, I like that, which proved to me that I will live forever. Let's move on to our next question. This is Stray Bullet. You guys with all your rich podcast money probably don't have to deal with this with your oh fancy PDFs, but what's your take on that awful Comixology update? Have you guys checked out the update for Comixology, which people are losing their minds over? Um, yes, uh, and I mean, it, Comixology, I know it's like, it is bad, it was never good, though. Like, <laughs> the fact that you couldn't just buy stuff on your iPad. And then read it. You had to go to sound Like, you had to buy it one place, and then you had to go and to go, another place to read it. And then get, and you it, couldn't just I, open it there. It was born in the darkness. I, I'm, I know this is, like, new language I'm making up, but, like, it was, if you could follow this metaphor, it was born in the darkness. It was ever never going to um, make it in the light, you know? Yeah, and I agree with you, and it's the sort of thing you look at now. Amazon, uh, it's moved over basically to Amazon, and you look at Amazon, and you're like, does it feel like you're in charge? That's the sort of thing that I would say uh, to I them. I did that line. Another I regional. Did, yeah. 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 
Wow, really glad we have these good mics to pick up all the little mumble core that just happened. <laughs> it's uh, pretty bad. I I mean, what everybody has pointed out, I've only used it on desktop. I actually forgot my Comixology password. I wanted to go into the app to check it out. I was like, well, I can't access this anyway. <laughs> so I went over to... <clears throat> Um, yeah, so I just use it on a desktop and it's just Amazon now, which is already the world's worst user interface. So yes, it's bad. It sucks. Um, I don't know. It, I don't know what they're going to do because like, it's not the thing that's frustrating about it. It was comiXology. And I think a lot of comics professionals have talked about this it was a great discovery engine, particularly yeah, for, it's bad for comics. Yeah. It's bad for comics. And I wonder if somebody else will jump in there and pick up where comiXology left off because it really does seem like there's a big gap now. Yeah. It's too bad. Um, all right. We got another couple of questions here. This is from Ben, the border collie. What's a comic you'd recommend people read to understand you better as a person, not necessarily your favorite, but something that captures something about you. Oh God. Great question, but also very personal, a very personal. I don't know. Spider-Man, leave me alone. (laughs) Oh my God. That's good. Um, I mean, that's hard to say. Yeah, I I read comics not really to I don't love comics that are just reflecting myself. It feels like mm. I love comics that are taking me on a journey, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe even away from myself. But um, but you don't try to put yourself in that situation with those uh, characters and kind of live through that, or not really. I, huh. I and I think I think this weird. Gets to, this this is actually I love that you said that, Pete, because this gets to a core difference in our specifically you and and me and maybe Alex as well, I feel like you are a ride-along reader. Yes. You're along with. And so when a character doesn't do something right or someone betrays that character, you mad. <laughs> uh, and for me, I'm very much r- removed from a story and I'm right. like into it for, as just as a storytelling uh, mechanism. So like... Um, I think that's two different ways. Uh, but let me say um, the comic that I that really resonated with me and I felt sort of like larger philosophies reflected in is the many deaths of Layla Starr from last mm. year that we talked about a lot. So mm. I would say that uh, for my answer. Cool. Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is the answer I've given a million times before, but I feel like probably new mutants fall of the mutants i mean that's where like uh, probably not anymore but that's where i started to identify with doug Ramsey and certainly read into that and that crossover so i like that quite a bit awesome pete do you have one i don't it's it's hard because i'm i live the comic with the characters you know like i'm always putting myself in there um you know and there's certain you know like i'm drawn to uh, the Hulk or Wolverine, uh, these people with uh, flaws and and uh, anger issues that where I see myself, you know, uh, short people with anger issues. Where are you at? Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm always kind of in the story uh, with the characters. I can't I can't separate uh, myself from that. Uh, you're not going to say Murder Falcon? Well, I mean, Murder Falcon was a 
you know, beautiful piece of uh, of work. And the, I mean, I cried when my way through that thing. But uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, as much as uh, I'd like to consider myself someone who's hardcore, like I don't know how to thrash on a guitar or anything like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. You know how to thrash in a podcast. You thrash on a <laughs> my man. I I would love a sick van like uh, they got in it, but you know those those are dreams. Uh, we got one more question here from Jolene. Now that Boba Fett is over, can Pete say he would have enjoyed it if it didn't have Boba Fett or Ming Na Wen? You put some respect on Mulan's name. Um, well, first off. Uh, I don't know what we're coming at me about. Uh, love all the actors on the show. I I thought every episode was bananas great. Um, you know, like uh, the the cavalry is one of my all time favorites. So I don't know uh, what you're coming for me for, but uh, I I've loved every single episode of it from start to finish. Hmm. Uh, Justin, have you watched all of the episodes? Uh, no, I, I mean, yes, I have watched all of Boba Fett. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the last episode really felt like the perfect end where a bunch of characters shot their differently pew pew guns at a force field and never punctured it. Come on, dude. That like a great way to encapsulate a series where I was like, why would you do that? You didn't you weren't moved at all by that last episode, like the reunited and it felt so good moment that didn't get that didn't break your icy heart? No, there was I don't have an icy heart. There was just so much stuff where I'm like, I want the character these characters to be doing uh, smarter things. When I forget even what characters they were, but when they were like, You expect me to go after that big machine with this tiny gun? And uh, they're they're handed a gun with a stick on the end of it. I was like, "What? <laughs> that gun?" They, first off, these are laser guns. The length of the barrel it does not factor in to how the gun works. Yeah, right? but the longer the barrel, the better the shot. So the longer barrel I don't guns think that's be... accurate. I yes, think it that's is. Accurate. That's how fucking not guns the... work, motherfucker. That's how bullet guns work. That's how <laughs> blasters work. It's, it's kind of a similar. Obvious. It's a fucking similar situation, dude. Is it? Is you're telling me a, a laser gun is same like I was a regular gun? I'm assuming there's similar principles. Like the longer the barrel, the straighter the laser's going to shoot. No, I mean I don't think so. A laser's always going to shoot straight because that's how the light works. A bullet needs the long barrel because it's uh, running on a track essentially. And I don't know the whole thing. Just the logic messed me up and it was uh yeah i'm sorry uh, the logic in the star wars universe got to you uh straight bullet wondering alex what's your take on this laser laser debate is oh great that was also my biggest problem with the book of boba fett was the length of the laser guns yeah so i'm glad we brought it up no i don't know the last episode was kind of fun but it's like by that point i didn't care and it's I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the absolute funniest thing to me that completely made sense in terms of what was going on with the book of Boba Fett was they released two Lego sets for the oh, book of Boba Fett. Don't start with this bullshit again. <laughs> yeah, no, you, 
<laughs> the Lego it's thing burns fucking... you. It's so, so funny, though. Do we talk about it? When do we talk about yeah, it? Yeah, we talked about it. When do we talk about it? We I talked about a week last week, week on this last show. Week. Yeah, no, yeah. Anyway, I guess I won't talk about the Lego sets. Forget it. But it was the bad, the fact that they ended with a shot of the Mandalorian and Grogu. I was like, yes, that is the thing that we like. Why were we bothering with this if you weren't going to flesh it out? Well, and let, let me be a little bit more uh, charitable to it. it. It's the little issues I can get behind. And it was fun to watch. I watched it. Um, but like Mandalorian was like, what if we did a Star Wars Western? And I was like, great, great stuff. Right. And then there was like Book of Boba Fett. What if we did a crime show? And they were like, "Yes, no, no, we'll no, do no. that." But it's actually just going to be a western. It's going to be the most western version of a western you could think. And then at the end, they're like, "Guess what we got coming to you? A western." It's like, get out of here! Do something different. They, they're so. I, I feel like the Star Wars fran- franchise is scared to move in any direction that doesn't. They won't know works. And the Mandalorian works. Now they're just doing weird, exact replicas of the Mandalorian and they need to take some risks. I agree. I know we're getting Obi-Wan Kenobi down the road, but that's also set on Tatooine, at least partially, which is like, it's a big galaxy. I would love to see something new. I would love to see something interesting. I would love to see something different. There's so many different things that could happen. The one that I'm most excited for at this time I think it's called The Acolyte, the one that Leslie yeah. Heidland is doing about yeah. the Siths or people that like might be Sith, might be Jedi, unclear. That's the sort of thing where it's like, please don't bring any Skywalkers. Just make it entirely new characters. Show us new parts of this mythology. There's so much you could do that doesn't need to be Tatooine, doesn't need to be Boba Fett, doesn't need to be any of these characters we've seen before. And to me... Of the episodes of Boba Fett, the absolute freshest, most exciting one was the one where Mandalorian was on that, like, Halo world, which I hadn't seen before. It was interesting visually. It was interesting textually. It was fun to watch. And that's what I want to see. I don't think you need to blow me out of the water every time, but at least, like, show me something new. It's an entire galaxy, you know? Yeah. I don't mind the water. I like the water. Let me Leave me in it. Blow me out of it when you're ready. Uh, well, cool. You guys keep talking for a second. I need to refresh my browser. Uh, and then uh, Alex, hopefully this yeah. will not That's uh, what I, I say that to you constantly is please refresh that browser. Pete. Yeah. Hey, let's let's talk about your show that you're shooting, man. Uh, down in Miami. I mean, were you just living the VIP lifestyle? Were you just going clubbing every night? Like, no. You uh, and Gabrus, like, seeing the scenes and so like... a little context. I'm working on a tra- upcoming travel show for True TV called "101 Places to Party Before uh, You Die." Right. And no, I mean, it's a it's we're uh, we're working. It's work. Um, we're capturing a great show. I. Um, Cut. We got our next three uh, cities coming up next week. Now, uh, so can people go to these cities and just look for you partying and like join this like unbelievable scene, or can they be a line producer with you? Like, what's the buy-in here? For well, let audience? me throw this. No, that's not how jobs work. A yeah. B. I tried to get you specifically, Pete, to come to Miami since you were a scant forty minutes away. Could no, make it happen. No, Could no, make it I was. Happen. It was a three-hour drive. I looked it up. Unfortunately. No, I don't think so. That must have been traffic based because um, I was. It was like, Miami. hey, you want to drive to Miami? Uh, fucking three hours, and I was like, holy shit! 
That's what your that's the way your GPS talks to you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's a it's a unique setting for sure, but you know you can get it there. Um, and uh, to answer Luana Nana's comment, I would have loved to have your parents be a part of the action. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I I brought it up as an option. I was like, we can go clubbing in Miami with Justin, and they were like, no, we're old and uh, we don't do that. And I was like, all right, well, it's offers on the table. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Why don't we? It seems like I'm hearing from Tim Seeley he had the wrong time zone. It uh, happens. Uh, if Tim happens to be here, we can still definitely bring you in for an interview. Otherwise, we'll set up some other time. In the meantime, to give him a, a couple more minutes to come in here, why don't we have Pete take it to our next section, which is trivia? Trivia! All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card uh, to Midtown Comics because, you know, if you uh, were going to get free money, you would spend it at a comic book shop. So why not go to Midtown Comics? They're a super cool place in New York City. But even if you don't live in the area, you can still buy stuff online and ship it to you pretty neat setup so we just need a brave volunteer <laughs> uh you know someone to say like also, first you don't have to be off, that brave you know and you will win 25 dollars no strings attached well you'll have to get an email from zalvin so you'll have to put up with that oh we got john george <laughs> that's john, so george. Oh, wow one john george attached. all right gonna bring him in here to the stream very exciting. We haven't seen a... Oh, wait. Michael Bramwell said I can do it. Oh, man. We ignored Michael Bramwell. Oh, I yeah, because he wrote something long. Yes, so remember? He didn't do it last week. You okay, got it. So, oh. You really messed oh, up. Oh, there you go. Hey. Wow. Hey, John. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Good to see you, though. We, uh, John, it's great to see you. I'm sorry. It's not under better circumstances. We just realized we should have invited yeah. Michael, but... Uh, I oh, can't hear you. You can't hear us? Nope. <laughs> this is going very well, is yeah. what I think is going on. It's going so well. Yeah. Oh, Wait, you can you hear me? Hear Alex? You can't hear maybe Pete? He just, oh, hang on. Maybe he just said the, the same thing. Maybe he just said the same thing. I can hear Aaron oh, no, laughing in the background. Thing background you know we could definitely hear him that's sorry yes. guys <laughs> all right should we Bounce kick john him. out john yeah, george come back next week get bramwell in here yeah. yeah all right we're gonna kick out john george out the drop yeah we're oh, going. sorry john <laughs> this is great everything's yeah, going going really well great. all right we're gonna bring in michael bradwell here instead of john since that doesn't seem to be working but it was nice to see john Always great to see. And we got to hear Aaron laugh. I miss that laugh so much. Hey! Hey. How are you? It wasn't going to happen, and then it did. Uh, I know. It's a a real Cinderella story, man. That's right. right. Never give up. State of the fights one. All right. Uh, Well, cool. I'd like to present you with your Prince Charming, Pete LePage. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, so today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Ivan Ivan Reitman, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. DC announced the return of blank 
after a seven-year hiatus? Is it A, Captain Carrot, B, Fables, or is it C, Casey Kasem? So it's either A, Don't Pick It, or it's B, Fables. Yeah, it is Fables, 151. Yeah, very exciting. Getting Fables back. Super excited about that. Here we go. Question number two. For Thor number 25, there is going to be a fight where Thor fights blank. Is it A, Hulk, B, Wrecking Crew, or is it C, Alice Drummond? So it's either A, Hulk, which would be cool to check out, or it's B, Wrecking Crew. Yeah, definitely A, Hulk. You are correct. All right, here we go. Last question. And unfortunately, Zalbin already covered this, but DC and Marvel are teaming up to reprint 7,000 copies of JLA Avengers to honor whom? Is it A, crossover events, B, George Perez, or C, uh, Ronaldo Bell Johnson? So it's either A, (laughs) don't pick it, it would Ronaldo. be cool to honor crossover events, or it's B, George Perez, because that's really what we're doing here. Yeah, definitely the legend, George Perez. That's right. Yes. Congratulations, you have won a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Now, do you have a guess as to the secret movie that Pete is hinting at in his third answers? Ooh, not a clue. All right. Well, it is... The uh, classic hit Ghostbusters. Uh, Wait, Ghostbusters? Deep cut. Yeah. Deep cut there. Interesting. What is that movie? I'm sorry. I feel like I've seen it. What is that one about? Is that, is it like the movie, Go- is it a sequel to the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's the same sort of thing with the clay yeah. and the, yeah. everything. Exactly. Michael, congratulations. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive.com. We are going to get you a gift card. Have a great night. All right. Uh, And folks, guess what? What? I have some exciting news for (laughs) you. I feel like a lot of things are surprises to Alex tonight, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. We're keeping it super loose here. Yes, it's good. Uh, So we are going to send that gift card off, but also here's (laughs) Tipsy. Hello. Yes. How are you? How are you? Man, I, I, yeah. Oh no! Oh, okay. Uh, headphones, or turn your volume down a little bit. Those usually work. It's great. You Either. know, it's a good show when I'm in the first uh, position. I always start in the. Yeah, third there we position. go. That sounds good. That seems to be working. That seems good. Okay, I'm used to zooming and shit, so I, I I don't know what the. Maybe I have headphones. Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> going in the old drawer. Oh, good. and you got some cables. Oh, oh there we go. All right. That could be spinner, any sort of corner rack. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Let's so many comic clips in here. Beautiful. This is honestly a little bit like porn right now, is what's wow. going on. Well, this is Alex, cool. what? No, it is. What pornography are you? Yeah, I don't know what kind of things. Room Raiders on MTV. You should be Googling two islands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is great for anybody listening at home. Tim has a great collection of comics going on. Yeah, yeah, in the background. It's like classy. You know what I mean? It's like a nice. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Action figures over the windowsill. Yeah, got a speaker. 
Ooh. Wow. Oh, it's great. We're getting a full 180 degree view. Here. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. The spinner rack is just, oh, it's touching yes, I was going to say 360, but that's absolutely wrong. Tim, there can you go. hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Now a lot better. Tim, thank you so much for hopping on. Apologies about any confusion with the time zones. Uh, this is the story of my life. So, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no, it's cool. What time zone are you in? Are you um, you're at sea right now or? I'm at a sea. Yeah, that's, that's what screwed me up. And uh, yeah, no excuses, but I, I'm so desocialized from humans that I just don't know what's going on. So. All right. well, <laughs> let's just start by saying the beard looks fantastic, and it's it's yeah. great to see you. Thank you. I've, and I lost a little weight, and I have contacts in, so hopefully I'm very handsome for you. You look amazing. Oh, my gosh. You look I wish. You know what? We're going to have to draw sort of an, uh, an audio picture of you uh, so that people <laughs> at home can really hear how good you look. <laughs> there we go. I fixed the sound. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. it's all working. Uh, so since it is all working, why don't we talk about your comic books? Oh, no. You just yes. muted yourself. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're back. oh, you're back. You're back. I tried uh, some shit, but it didn't work. So. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about your comic books. And in particular, I want to talk about Robins, which we've talked about every issue so far. Yes. It's so good. I'm loving this series. It's not that it came out of nowhere, because obviously there was a fad vote that led to this book. But the way that you've been balancing and tackling all of the Robin characters in every issue, as well as playing on their history, pushing it forward, has been so smart and so exciting what has been involved, what has been involved in crafting this series to make sure that, like, with so many characters that you hit all of them so evenly? Oh, man. I mean, I wish I thought everyone else thought like you did. I, I feel like <laughs> I, I thought the job was because this was going to be on the DC Universe app. And I knew that. And I knew it was part of this contest. So I approached it as this is going to be a book for people who are not familiar with the, these characters, maybe, or they are, but they, they're only sort of general fans, right? Um, so I approached it as like, this is an intro to these characters in 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 their world and their personalities, and the sort of distilled best versions of them. Um, and I didn't realize it was not going to be that for most readers. It was going to be like this continuity contest, and like, you know, like every every generation of fan has their perfect continuity that they associate with these characters which i was trying to do a more general thing so i thought the job was probably different than what other people did i, I was just trying to make you see how they're different how they're similar what makes them relation their relation to batman important and um kind of how their relation to each other is important that's what i thought the job was i was wrong maybe i don't know it's up to you. no i don't <laughs> think you are i this no. is honestly one of my favorite books that's coming out right now i uh full disclosure have read a lot of comic books so i, I think <laughs> huge I'm, disclosure oh, from alex yes i, I think i'm <laughs> aware of the history of all of these robins and it's working perfectly for me and i think one of the things that's so awesome about it for for those who haven't reading it mild spoiler but in the first issue you reveal that maybe there's this secret other Robin that hasn't been revealed before, and she is essentially taking down all the other Robins. She's mad. But, yeah, so that's very cool. But the thing that I've really respected and liked about the series is exactly what you're sort of like, I think slagging off is the thing that people maybe don't like, that every issue works as an issue. Every issue is structured in a different way and focuses on the Robins in a different way. And it's really impressive to see. But well, so let me just say real quick, though, on the, the, your tip, though, it also uses 
every bit of Robin continuity, like I feel like we get snapshots of each of them in their, their both their characters and what they've been through in every issue as well. So you're doing both. Yeah, I, that's what I think I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> but I, I agree, you know, the, the aspect of it where each issue should be independent is a big thing I've been trying to push lately with everything I do because that was the case of when I read comics as a kid. You could pick something up yeah. And it was just in, you know, you was part of a story, but you could read it independently. Um, and I think people kind of been conditioned to these like six issue arcs where they expect issue three to be this, issue four to be this, you know? And it's so weird to kind of see because that's not what I think of comics as still. Uh, and so I tend to find like the stuff I do lately, people, when they get to the end, they're like, oh, he did bring it around. He did figure it out. Like, <laughs> as if I wasn't going to, of course I'm going to, it's my job. Uh, but, like, that was King Shark, you know. Uh, but yeah. People be like, "Well, I don't know where he's going on issue three. I know that's the job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it did work out. I think I know this book does as well. I know Robbins does, but I, sometimes I'm unsure who we're making these for. And this one was one of those books. I was I was unsure in the end who I made it for. <laughs> Apparently, well, you guys. Ask- so thank you. Yeah, uh, again, I'm loving it. I'm curious to go down this angle a little bit, and I don't know how much you want to talk about this necessarily, but like, what is it like? It sounds like you are a creator who is very involved in listening to the fads and getting that feedback from the fads. Obviously, you're on Twitter a lot. So like, what, how much does that affect the process? How much does that affect you? How much does that tweak and change things? Or do you try to just kind of filter that all out and make the comics what they are? It doesn't affect the creative at all because by the time I hear about it, it's too late. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but I guess it affects how I see things because the, the interaction you get now without conventions is Twitter. So I only see a certain kind of interaction. And because of this book's very public facing thing, because of the, you know, the round robin contest, it's a touch point because it, it makes people think that that this beat out something that they had their heart in or that it, that it's a political touch point because it beat out something more diverse or, or whatever, uh, which I guess makes this one a more public interaction than I've ever had on a book. Mm-hmm. So that's probably part of it. Is there, getting back to the book itself, is there a Robin character here that's been particularly difficult to tackle? I mean, obviously you've done Dick Grayson before and I, think you've written most of them but yeah is there one that Everybody. you have a little bit more of a, a problem finding the voice of or one that just flows more naturally uh i mean I, I i consider myself an expert in writing dick and damien and i didn't have any trouble with those two uh jason is i think i have a version of him in my head maybe that's different than others but that's what makes him interesting is that he's kind of the outsider or, and also that he's unpredictable by design, right? Like he says things he doesn't mean or that he could be a little wild. Yeah. Uh, So I think I I have a good sense of his arc and and I think it's important to what the book is about. Um, The one I like the most is Stephanie. Yeah. That's what I love. I knew the character I wrote her on uh, Batman Eternal, but her in relation to the others as being the only one that got flunked is like my favorite thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's such an interesting part of it because of course she would think it's sexist or, or, or or that it was personal. And as she goes on, you know, it's, she sees how it relates to this other Robin as well. So I, I I think it's important to her arc and arc in this, 
that like I'm figuring her out as the readers figure out her part in the story. So, mm. oh, that's cool. And just because you didn't mention him, what's your take on Tim in particular? Oh, I, I loved him, and I, I think people thought I was going to shortchange him, but he's the most important character in this arc, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you'll see why towards the end of four and issue five for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love Tim, and to me, the interesting thing about Tim is that he—he's the one who fi- figured out he's the fan, right? He's the fan of this right. stuff. The other one, none of the other ones are that way, and so that kind of makes him the reader, I, I guess. You no, know, that's that, great. That's really smart. So that's kind of how I try to think of him, and and I, I'm not sidelining him at all. I just I figured out a different angle for him because of the use. This character uses computers. We know that, so that's very important for Tim's character as well. Uh, this is getting into a little bit of not a little bit. This is a, the cliffhanger for the last issue, but I do want to ask you about this because it was such a exciting surprise for me. We see it seems like everybody is going to be sent into their own memories, into their own past, and we get to see Dick Grayson in the spiral outfit again, which is obviously a very yes. seminal series for you. What's it like revisiting this time in Dick Grayson's life? Oh, man, it makes me realize we should have had longer on that series. Fully <laughs> oh, totally agree. I love yeah. that series. It was really legendary. Um, well, just because, and, and when you're using all these Robins who have kind of the same job to some degree, it makes you realize that what we figured out in Grayson was that you have a, a Robin who had a different job and, and put him in a different place in the DC universe and, and put him in interaction, I think more importantly, maybe with different characters, right? So, yeah. When you're writing Nightwing and having done it, it, he's always sort of in the rotation of Batman characters to some degree. And in Grayson, we didn't at all, right? And so, uh, spoiler alert, next issue, we see Dick on a mission and the character he has to interact with is Zealot from Wildcats. So it's like, it totally makes sense because I can do that in that story and it's harder to do in a Batman-centric Bloodhaven story. That's so cool. On that note... One of the big things about any Gotham City-based book like Robbins, and you you brought in Batman, but is making it, knowing that Batman is this character that brought all of these characters together, he's the character that connects all of them, but also leaving it to the side, what is that challenge like there to basically have it be like the... At all times, everybody should be asking, where's Poochie when Poochie's not on screen character of <laughs> Dude, the DC yes. universe? You understand Far too well. Uh, <laughs> so the tough thing with Batman is you have to give him a mission that he can't instantly solve and and, and ruin the story. So uh, in here, we ha- I had to think of something that is personal to him and he can't bring the Robins in because it hurts. So mm-hmm. that's hard to do. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, He's famously unfeeling. <laughs> right. It's a, it's and, and figuring out a thing that draws in the Robins keeps Batman in it, but doesn't let him take over the story and lets him do the function that he has to the Robins, which is a mentor, a father figure, but also someone who's kind of um, like not always a good thing, right? People love to play that Batman is this negative force on their lives. I don't, but other people do. So uh, I have to figure out a way to play off that trope. And so that is part of this story as well. So real quick, this story seems all-consuming mentally. <laughs> Just like there's so many spinning plates, so many characters. Like, what is your process, or what was your process in like getting to it? Oh, I mean, I wish I hadn't thrown out because I could show you in in that corner of my office. 
over there, that wall was yeah. filled with note cards. I mean, oh, wow. it, I, I just took it down, but it was like hundreds of little notes about uh, what characters arc and all this sort of stuff. And it was just taking out my wall until like New Year's Eve or so. Um, but I would just get ideas, put them it. down, and try to put them in order. I've never done that for a book. I've never built a map for a book ever. I no. mostly improv. This was the first book that I, I had to plan everything. <laughs> well, I think regardless of what anybody else is saying, it's really paying off. This book is yeah. so cool. So I'm loving yeah. it so much. So amazing. Um, I did want to ask you about another project that I think just came out from Humanoids, this book, Chronophage. Yeah. Uh, so what can you tell us about that? I mean, I've only, I, full disclosure, I haven't read it yet, but it's uh, the concept sounds really interesting in particular. I'll send you a PDF. Because oh. I'm so proud of it, and it, yeah. it's hard to do an OGN, I think, in the, the way the world works now. But um, years ago, I guess two years ago, right around the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Rob Levin at Pandemic at, or, at Humanoids had asked me if I had any stories <laughs> that could be a horror romance, and Ooh. I did. Uh, it was this idea, like a movie idea that I had that I could never write. It was basically that um, a vampire story, except they don't drink blood they this vampire drinks time and so mm. he he took it he took a pitch and i was like fuck because <laughs> <laughs> it it's physics it's a lot of and, and it's also story physics you know like how do you make a story where you you took out the stakes yeah. because we know what's going to happen and uh so i had to figure out a way to do it but i uh, teamed up with Ilias curious and he's an amazing illustrator he wrote and, and he drew and colored this book and it's gorgeous, and it exercises a different part of my brain because it's a OGN. So there's chapters, but it's not broken into issues. And mm-hmm. uh, man, it's awesome to write something where you get to the end and you can go back and fix parts. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. it's tight. It's really figured out. It's very emotive. It's about being a dad, a mom in this case, a parent. Um, it's about loss and all the things that you wish you could change and it's also about like just the time you lost in these past two years you know all those wow. moments that you would have had that you didn't and uh, you know my my biggest fear i think about life is that any moment could be your last with someone you know that that, that or how much time do you have left with people that all the things i was thinking about so it's all about those things that's so wow. cool uh, i it that makes me uh think of this question we we've known you from <laughs> for so long i feel yes. like uh back in the we met you when yes <laughs> there it is back in the early hack slash days the slasher. <laughs> uh, candle zombie candle zombie and so i want to say if you had to go back and talk to that um that younger tim seeley who was talking to a much younger pila page uh, <laughs> what would you tell that that writer that um that up and comer oh man I, I guess i would tell him to keep that youthful confidence because it goes away <laughs> like oh, there no. was such a when i started i was just like fuck everybody i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make a slasher comic fuck you and I don't think that way anymore. I'm very like, cons- like I'm concerned about what I make and who, what people think about it. And uh, I, I don't take risks like I used to. So if I could, I'd just be like, keep doing that, you weird fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do you That's... think, uh, not to delve into or be like your psychologist too much, but I'm just curious where, does that come from 
working at a place like DC for this many years where not in a negative way, but just creating these comics that yeah, did DC beat you down. Well, I thought, <laughs> well, no, but something no. like, like what you're saying, something like hack slash you made on your own, you put it out. There's no expectation there. It's just whatever you want it to be. And then obviously it was a huge success and that's awesome. But something like DC, it's one of the big two. There's all these eyes on it. So is that's where that urge comes from? Potentially. Yeah, I wonder. I, it has to be some combination of that where when you make something completely on your own, your voice is all that matters, right? Because there's nothing to compare it to. And when you work on something that has these 80 years of history, your voice is compared to 80 years of history. <laughs> yeah. It really sort of puts you in a place of, you know, trying to compare what you do to what other people do that maybe you didn't do before. Um, and also maybe you start to wonder if the things that you were interested are relevant to the things that the people who buy these things are interested in, you know? So I think that's a big part of it. Superhero fans specifically, I'm almost hundred percent positive that what I like about superhero comics is not what most superhero fans like for sure. Well, what is that? <laughs> what is the thing that you like? I like big ideas, crazy, uh, things that you can't do in other mediums. Uh, you know, fun. I like fun. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, and I like the moral sort of guide. I I, I love Superman. I, mm. You know, I I don't like as much Punisher or something. So, so I feel like all the things I just said are the things that people don't like. And and they're they're certainly not epitomized by like the Zack Snyder side of like that's the epi- or the antithesis of what I like about superhero comics in every way. <laughs> oh, interesting. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like what you just said is that I feel reflected in what you just said. So, like, I I love that, and I feel like you are a meticulous comic creator. So, like, I don't think you're you're gonna make a misstep. Like, you are so <laughs> care. You like you are you are you know you have all the knowledge inside, and so I feel like it's just you're well. Sometimes it's just coming and, out. and maybe that's it. The you're not making a mistake because you know what you're doing, but your mistake may be your taste. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes that's the thing I run into is I don't understand why people are like, this is such a great study of Superman or, or a character where I'm just like, that was easy. You, you, made him a, you know, you made him a bad guy. Big deal. Easy. You know, and, and uh, or, or, or some of the, the things where you ground characters. I think people really like that. And uh, to me, that's the least interesting thing. <laughs> right. Like this is a medium which has so much less limits than TV or film. So if we're going to compete, we have to do things they can't. And we sometimes try to copy them. And I don't understand it. Yeah. Oh, that's... I get lost. That's well, cool. I, I think not to continue down this road, but I'll do it anyway. I think a lot of the reason for that, it seems to me, and you're probably more entrenched in this community, community in these conversations. It seems to be a, a lot of comic book creators are feeling like that. And that's why they're heading to Substack, very similar to the image revolution back in the day where sure. they're creating these things. And certainly you have chronophage that feels like uh, more of a passion project for you. Is that something that you think you'll be heading towards? Are you starting your own Substack? Are you going get, to get back to the hack slash days? Or are you good well, to I, go where you are? I don't want to abandon comics. I mean, I, yeah. I get that Substack allows people to sort of direct PDFs at people. I get it. Mm-hmm. 
but that's not uh, comics to me. That's, you know, I want to have the interaction of the comic store and, and the world and the racks. I don't know. I, I, it's a weird thing to turn away from that, you know, with this medium. Is that such a embedded part? I mean, I teach at a college mostly just to interact with people who are still discovering comics and getting excited. Like I, mm-hmm. I took a job just so I could hang out with people. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What else is coming out for you? As you mentioned, you have King Shark, which is done at this point. Uh, yeah. Robbins is ongoing. Chronophage is coming out. Anything else happening that yeah. you want to plug or chat about? Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm going to check my wall. Oh, Spider Gwen that I, I wrote yes. that for Marvel. That's a, or I guess Gwenverse is the name of the series. And I have uh, West of Sundown, which is my Western from Vault Comics that's coming out, a horror Western. Nice. Um, let's see, we have a bunch of others. Not announced, not announced. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about uh, it, can't talk can't about it. Say Dark, it. Let's say it. Dark Red, uh, Where Roads Lead just came out from Aftershock. Yeah. Oh, I'll ask you about... Uh, Lord Bible with Lord uh, Bible. Steve Orlando coming from Image Comics. Yes. Ooh, cool. uh, so what can you tell us about that? Because that sounds like a predictably insane project. Well, 2006 to seven, I did a series at Image called Loaded Bible. And it's a series of one shots about a future where Jesus was cloned to fight a theocratic vampire world, uh, basically a vamp- government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it predicted that John Ashcroft would become president. Uh, I was slightly off, but only by a little and wow. <laughs> pretty good. And then, <laughs> um, but it was three issue series, and you know, kind of a cold hit. But obviously, Jesus Christ clone fighting vampires, maybe a limited readership. Uh, but <laughs> a uh, reader that it did touch was a a young fellow named Steve Orlando. Oh, uh, nice. And so, uh, when he started working in comics, he and I knew each other from uh, Batman Eternal and all the stuff we worked on. And so he kept pitching me, I want to do a lot of Bible, I want to do a lot of Bible. And he had an idea, and I said, you know, find an artist and figure it out. So he teamed up with Mirka Andolfo's Arancia Studios, and I said, go ahead, do it. I'll help you out with the first issue, and then it's yours. So it's, uh-huh. uh, it's a licensed no, book, awesome. <laughs> but it's Steve doing his sequel to my old cult hit. Oh, comic. that's awesome. That's awesome. That's so That's cool. exciting. Yeah. And you, I think this is, is Superman versus Lobo done at this point, or is oh there... no issue three of that comes out okay. in a couple of weeks, I think. Okay, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss it. Yeah, Mirko that... through that uh, delay delayed a little bit for uh, art stuff, basically. Yeah, we talked about the first two then, and yeah. it, it's so fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, but like like you said, you like to like that. This book is fun. You you were like, let me make yeah. this fight a fun fight. Uh, and in a great way. Yeah, I hope people... I did the same thing where I do each issue is its own individual thing, right? It's a different take on their fight. The mm-hmm. first fight is sort of a, like a political fight between Superman and Lobo, and yeah. the, the second one is um, basically them having this very different origins and having a conflict about who they are as people, and then the third one, I'll, you'll see. But... Uh, I had such a blast with it. I think it's my one of my favorite things I've ever worked on. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's yeah. so much fun, and it's yeah. so packed, every issue. Like, I can't <laughs> yeah. believe how many things happen in every single issue. So <laughs> it's it's great to read. Like, I think 
I think there's something to be said for that because there's a value there. You know, not we read a lot of comics and sometimes you read a comic, you're like, well, I'm done in five minutes. But the Superman versus Lubo issues, it's like you it's a chunk. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's a meal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's I'd be... too because we wrote that as six individual issues, and then uh, format ended up being those double size. Oh, so okay. I feel like that's probably why it feels even more packed. Like it's two full chapters of a story put together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you anything going on with Hackslash at this point. I know that's very much there is something you're not absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We're doing a, me and Stefano are teaming up together to do a new story for the Image 30th anthology. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, awesome. So it's a six part story. It's going to be called Kill Your Idols. Uh, I guess this is maybe the announced here, never, never heard before. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice. writing and uh, doing layouts, Stefano doing finishes, uh, Kurt Michael Russell on colors. And it's essentially Hackslash versus the entire Image universe. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. So, cool. Yes. Super Patriot, Bloodstrike, everything I could have fun with, I put in there. Uh, that's that's awesome. awesome. I cannot wait to read that. Uh, yeah. Tim, that is so cool. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, we got one uh, quick question here. This is from Straight Bullet. Anything else with Sarah Beattie? Obviously, Superman Lobo uh, was, was with Sarah. Issue three. And then, obviously, Money Shot. We're in between arcs on that. Um, I did West of Sundown between. So we'll do more uh, Money Shot when we're done with West of Sundown. Awesome. Cool. All right. Cool. Another great Tim, book. thank you so much for hopping on, despite the time zone confusion. Sorry, it's it always, up. oh my gosh, it's fine. <laughs> no. Always good to see you. Always good great to, talk to see thanks, you. Yes. Thanks for having me back. I missed you guys. No cons. Uh, yes, you too. I can't yeah, hang man. out. You know, that's yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Next time I'm at, a, at New York and you guys are there, let's get a fucking beer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> My man. All right, Tim. Have a great night. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Great right. to talk to Once you. Once again, that was Tim ah, Seeley, one guy. of our absolute favorite people to have here on the show. And you can check out Superman versus Lobo, as mentioned, is ongoing right now. Third issue is coming out. Also, Chronophage from Humanoids, and then Robbins from DC Comics, which is great, and don't let anybody yep. tell you different. And yeah. uh, we also, he also is releasing Pete's Blushing number one, which is coming out right now. <laughs> uh, Pete loves Tim. He's a great writer. Come on. I mean, uh, I'm very excited about the hack slash versus image. Uh, that, that's, that's awesome. Gonna be, yeah, so much yeah, fun. Fresh announcement. Great stuff. Uh, as we all know, new comics are coming out all the time, and new comics are, in fact, coming out this week. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? Uh, DC versus Vampires number five, as uh, well as call, Step by Bloody Step number one. Yes, this is a book from Image Comics that I knew was going to be in your real house. Justin, what about you? What are you looking forward to? I mean, a lot of great books. I, I just, it's sad to me that Pete didn't say Deadly Class number fifty-one. Oh, just, come on! Just a great book, um, and it's really coming into its uh, last lap. So exciting to see. And also, let me quickly shout out uh, Human Target number five. Uh, another just absolute perfect comic book. If you want to read one. Book that I'm really looking forward to checking out is Bolero number two from Image Comics. We yes. checked out the first issue of that, and that was all about this woman who goes through a horrible breakup and signs up with the space cat who sends her to multiple alternate universes. So very curious to see how that 
rolls out in the second issue. That should be very interesting. And all of those books, very coincidentally, are going to be in our stack podcast that, that rolls out Wednesday at 9 a.m., either in the comic book club Weird. feed or its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show. Oh Woo! couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Zachary Moross for being here. Check out the Sondaran anthology that is now on Kickstarter for the next week or so. Cherish Chen for talking about Radiant Red, which is yeah. coming out in March, but you can also check out the check super massive one-shot that's coming out tomorrow. Also, coincidentally, in the Stack Podcast, what do you know? And Tim Seeley, as mentioned, check out Robins, check out Chronophage, check out King Shark, Superman vs. Lobo, and everything Anything else. All great does. stuff. Next week on the show, John Westhoff is going to be here to talk about Drumsticks of Doom. And also, Sean Lewis, one of our other favorite people to talk about, is going to be here to talk about King Spawn. So that should be awesome in the whole Spawn universe, so that should be fun. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to check it out. Leave us a question or a comic book to review in the iTunes reviews at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many, many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, folks. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Happy National Margarita Day slash Derek Jeter Day!